I want to talk to you this morning and tell you a story about a king in the Bible that you may not have heard of, or maybe you've just read his story when you read the Bible through the year. How many of you have ever heard the story of King Asa? A few of you, I thought. Probably the only person I know named Asa is, was the former governor of Kansas, I believe it was, Asa Hutchinson. We don't often talk about Asa, but his story is an amazing story of God's blessings upon his life and how God worked through him and used him. The Old Testament stories are there, the Bible tells us. They're there to inspire us, to encourage us, to show us God's faithfulness. And sometimes we forget to really go back and read the Old Testament and study it, and we forget that that's the Bible the early church was using while the New Testament was being put together. Asa's father was a very evil king. He was a wicked king. His grandmother, his mother, doesn't figure into the story of his life very much. We don't know what happened to her if she died, but his grandmother was an evil woman. She was an idolater. She had her own temple built to a fertility god, and Asa just grew up in a, let's just say, in a non-Christian environment. He grew up in a pagan environment. He grew up in a land that only knew war, and when his story comes to play in the Bible, basically the known world at that time is at war with one another. Kingdoms are fighting against each other. Even Israel has had a civil war. They have divided. You've got the northern kingdom of Israel. You've got the southern kingdom of Judah, which is the smallest and the tiniest of the two kingdoms. It's where Jerusalem is at, and this is where Asa became the king. 2 Chronicles 15.3 says that Israel at this time was without a true pastor. They were without any priest. They were out without anyone that could teach them the word of God and the law of God. There was no voice from the pulpits. There was no voice from the temple because in such a short time after King David and after Solomon's backsliding, in such a short time, evil had so pervaded the land that the kingdom had divided and become a very idolatrous place. Second Chronicles 15 goes on to tell us that it was not safe to travel alone, that there were all kinds of marauders and bandits. There were cities that were crushing one another. There were nations that were crushing one another. And kind of like our day, there are refugees everywhere when we pick up this story. And one young man, <clears throat> not, a, not a wizened man, not an old man, but one young man stepped up to the plate and says, I want to see the tide turn. I want to see the nation turn back to God. I want to see revival come back to this land. And that young man's name was Asa. And Asa made five choices that I want to talk to us about this morning. Because Asa chose to follow God. Asa chose, as we would say, to become a passionate follower of Christ. He chose to, to follow the Lord. And when you understand that his home life was even a wreck, his father, listen to this, his father married 14 women. That's a disaster right there. Can you say amen to that? 
14 wives. His father had 36 children, and of those 36 children, 22 of them were his brothers. They were all in line for the throne, and they were all itching to be the man in charge. They were all itching to be the king. They would make the conflict between Harry and between Prince William seem pale in significance today because these guys were willing to kill each other. And all of them, when Asa became king, they were hoping that Asa would fail. Now, we don't know where and we don't know when, but at some point, Asa committed his life to God. At some point, Asa chose to follow God. And when he made that choice, and this is important, when he made that choice, he risked the throne, he risked power, he risked losing the army. He risked losing any support in his family that he might have had. He risked having his life taken away from him because these pagan kingdoms were very idolatrous and they all wanted him to fail. One of the members of our congregation lost their job because they took a risk for Christ. Their employer asked them to do something that was on the edge of being legal and illegal, and they came to see me, and, and we sat down, we prayed together, we talked about this in my study, and then we, it was such an important decision, I said, we need to go to the altar, and we just need to spend some time before the Lord, because it wasn't technically illegal, but it wasn't technically legal, and so the question that we finally decided upon, is it ethical? Is this an ethical choice to make? Is this what a passionate follower of Christ would do? And as we sought the Lord, we came to the conclusion of no. And I told him, I said, now listen, you have to walk this out. I'm not going to be the one walking this out. I will walk with you, but you have to walk this out. And so they talked with their boss, and their boss basically said to them, and I'm just kind of summarizing, says, I don't care what you believe. If you don't do this, you're fired. And so that day, they lost their job because they put God first. It was because they were passionately a follower of Jesus Christ. Understand, their home, their family, their finances, their future, they laid it all on the chopping block to honor the Lord. I wish I could tell you this morning that within a day or two, they got a job. But within a few weeks, God had blessed them. They went through a valley. They went through second-guessing themselves. They went through calling me and was praying together. But God blessed them and took care of them because they did what Asa did. When you put your faith in God, you will never lose. But when you put your faith in man or you put your faith in your own strength and abilities, you have already set yourself up for failure. And so it's important that we understand the basic thing behind Asa's decision, the basic thing behind the member of our congregation's choice this morning was this. Who am I going to listen to? What am I going to do with what God's Word says? Am I going to do good? Is my life going to re be remembered for doing what is good and ethical and honoring to Christ? And what's going to happen in my life? And what will my children and my grandchildren, what will they think of the choices that I made? In 2 Chronicles chapter 14 and verse 2, read this verse out loud with me if you would this morning. Asa did what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord his God. Let's read it again. 
Asa did what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord his God. Let's read it one more time. I want that to get deep in our souls. 2 Chronicles 14, verse 2. And this time, I want you to put your name in there. Would you do that? And say your name loud, because if I don't hear you, we're going to read it one more time, okay? Dennis did. I didn't hear you. Here we go. Dennis did. I heard you then. That sounded like a Pentecostal church right there. Let's do it again. Dennis did what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord his God. I would be honored if my family put that on my headstone when I die one day. I would be honored if that was the way my children remembered me. I would be honored if you remembered me this way this morning. Because the question I'm asking myself and I'm asking you is, where do you need to take a step of faith to step out and trust God with everything this morning? What decision do you need to make? Where do you need to stand up with others and stand up with your friends? Where do you need to open up with a coworker? Where do you need to walk across the aisle to a colleague or a coworker that's going through a deep problem in their life and share what God did in your life? Where do you need to say to the Lord, this is where I'm struggling at and I want to do what is good and pleasing? Because you see, God can be a little scary. Can you say amen? I mean, this church can be a little scary sometime. It's because the message of taking up our cross and following Jesus, that's a scary message. But Woodland is a safe place with a scary message. And you may be listening online right now, and this may be frightening you a little bit. It's a little scary. That's a good place to be because there's coming a moment in our life when the only confidence that we're going to have for every one of us, Jew and Gentile, pagan or Christian, every one of us, the only confidence that we have is whether or not we are standing by faith through the blood of Jesus and the presence of our Lord, and we either hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you that's going to be a scary moment and so it's important for us to learn why secondly Asa chose to be courageous Asa was a courageous man if you want to follow God you've got to remove what weakens your faith you've you've got to remove those things that you're surrounded with of idols and false gods his grandfather King Solomon was an amazing man I love to read about Solomon But ever since I was a child, coming to the end of Solomon's life is so sad to me. And it grieves me because Solomon started out in this amazing way. He was the answer to every father's prayer. And every father prays for his sons and daughters that they will go further, they will accomplish more, they will do more, they will serve God better than what we have served him. That's my prayer for my children, my grandchildren. It's my prayer for you, that we would all know and serve God better. And Solomon exceeded beyond all expectations all that David had ever accomplished. But towards the end of his life, as he got older and he got comfortable and he had wealth and he had power and influence, Solomon's heart turned away from God and he backslid and he began to serve idols. He set up these huge statues and temples and there were sacrifices made daily. Micaiah, which, is, which would be Asa's grandmother, Micaiah was one of Solomon's wives. 
She was an evil, wicked woman. She had her own personal temple built in this huge statue to this fertility god, which was all about sex and sexual rights. It's, and it's why it was so attractive, because it was all built on pleasure. And when he became king, he made a decision. And it was a decision that rocked the kingdom. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 14 and verse 5. The Bible says Asa made a very courageous decision. He cleaned house. He got rid of the pagan altars and shrines. He smashed the sacred stones built stone pillars. He chopped down the sects and religion groves, the Esherim, because he got rid of all the pagan shrines and the altars in the cities of Judah. His kingdom was at peace. Would you read that with me? His kingdom was at peace. Do any of you remember the Hebrew word for peace right there? It's shalom. Right, it's shalom. It's not the absence of conflict. It's the blessings of God. It's the prosperity of God. It's the health of God. It's the pleasure of God. It's the fullness of all that God wants. So when you read that, that, <clears throat> that verse, you're not just talking about, oh, nobody's fighting with him. God supernaturally intervened in this city because one man chose to make a decision. Listen, it doesn't take much. I am never impressed with people who say, I quit. It doesn't take much to quit. It doesn't take much to give up. It doesn't take much to surrender. It doesn't take much to give in to the ways of the world, to give in to the culture and say, we can't make a difference. I've prayed with people in these altars who have looked up at me sometime when we were interceding about certain things. They said, Pastor, it's never going to change. There's no use in, in trying. And I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. All things are possible through Christ. It doesn't take much to say I quit, but it takes faith. It takes a woman of God, a man of God, to say, I will try in the name of Jesus Christ. That takes faith. Cowards quit, but men and women of courage and faith, they step up and they take their cross and they say, Lord, come hell or high water, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to get rid of everything that weakens my faith, every distraction, every idol, I'm going to purge that out of my life. As we took communion this morning, I looked up at that cross again. For that cross represents all of the goodness of God, the purpose of God, the faithfulness of God, the grace of God, the salvation of God, the deliverance of God, the adoption of, our, of ourselves into his family. And one day that Jesus Christ, our resurrected king, is coming back and we will rule and reign with him. Somebody give him a hand of praise this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. This week during VBX, Becky was telling me that one of the little tiny girls, as Pastor Mike was going over the Bible story about the crucifixion of Jesus, one of the little girls turned around and looked at the rest of the children and says, don't worry, he's going to be resurrected. Don't worry, he's going to be resurrected. Can I say to you this morning, don't worry, he's coming again. Come on, victory, he's coming again. And he's coming for a people who are faithful. And so I ask you this morning, what kind of distractions do you need to let go of? Are there idols in your life you need to let go of? Because like Asa, I want the hand of God's blessing upon my life. I want his best. Jonah chapter 2 and verse 8 says, those who hold on to worthless idols abandon their loyalty to you. 
So I just ask yourself some questions this week. What's holding you back from following Christ passionately? What's holding you back from being a passionate follower of Christ? If you feel like you're not walking in the blessings of God, what could be hindering the blessings of God in your life? What could be hindering the peace of God? What's got such a tight grip on your relationship right now that is coming to your mind that if you were to courageously and passionately follow Jesus like Asa is doing, that it would cost you dearly like it could have cost Asa. You see, when you choose to follow the Lord, you have to let go of every distraction, but you also have to let go of things that you're carrying that Christ has already carried. Look at me this morning. Some of you may still be carrying your sins that Christ has already forgiven. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, I am forgiven. Past present and future some of you may still be carrying shame this morning Christ carried your shame to Calvary some of you may be still carrying guilt that you don't need to carry Christ carried your guilt to Calvary I'm telling you people are carrying baggage that they don't need to carry because Christ has already paid for everything that you need this morning there's a new book out, or it was written just a couple of years ago, called The History of Toxic Masculinity. It's of men and boys. It really gripped my heart. You're, some of you read it, you're nodding your head. But the phrase toxic masculinity didn't even enter into our vocabulary until 2015, but by 2017, it had become mainstream in the conversation of our nation. Everything from terrorism to gun violence to, to mass shootings to gangs to online trolling, climate change, financial crisis, unwillingness to wear a mask during the COVID-19 pandemic. Everything was being blamed on toxic masculinity. So one researcher decided to interview some dozens of, of adolescent boys, and he asked them this question, what do you like best about being a boy? Now listen to that. What do you like best about being a boy? I have three sons and a wonderful daughter. I have four wonderful grandsons. And when I read this next statement, it just broke my heart. For this college sophomore looked at the author and said, that's an interesting thought. I've never thought about that. You hear a lot more about what is wrong with guys than you hear about what is right. You see, there has been such a war upon our boys and our men in this nation. There has been such a war upon marriage in our nation. There has been such a war upon our unborn children in this nation. There has been such a war upon your being able to be financially independent and make your own decisions. There has been such a war against Christianity that in some ways the church has become like the proverbial frog in the kettle. As the heat has been gradually turned up, we've not even realize that the water is about to boil us to death. We need to wake up this morning and shake off those heavy bands and return to what God wants to do in our nation once again and have the courage of Asa and remove whatever is toxic in our life so we can follow Jesus Christ passionately as we say in our mission statement. Can somebody say amen this morning? Then Asa made another decision. When God gave them peace, he used the peaceful times to prepare and prioritize. God gave them the peace as they sought him. 
And so with Asa's priority to be to follow God wholeheartedly or passionately, in 2 Chronicles 14 and verse 4, he commanded the people of Judah, seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and obey his laws and his commands. You see, what sets Asa apart from every other king that you're going to read about is his total commitment to the Lord. 2 Chronicles 15 and verse 17, Asa's heart remained completely faithful to the Lord. Let me ask you this. How do you do that? How do you do that with your life? Well, first you start with your faith. You start with whether or not you're going to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And like I said, it may be scary to consider giving your life to Jesus, but consider the alternative. Who are you going to trust with your life? Who are you going to trust with your eternity? There's no such thing as a self-made man. There are self-made messes, but there's no such thing as a self-made man. God takes my good, God takes my bad. God takes my strength, God takes my weaknesses. God takes the broken and ugly parts as well as the good parts of me. I just have to do what Peter and Andrew did when Jesus said to them, come and follow me. I don't know it all. All I know is I am going to follow Jesus Christ and he will show me and teach me what I need to know each and every day. How many of you know that to be true this morning? The third thing he did, the fourth thing he did was he relied upon God. He relied upon God. He says, God, I believe you are who you are no matter what the challenges and what the weaknesses are that I'm facing. This morning, I told Siri to play for me an old Andre Kraut song. Take me back. Take me back to you, Lord, to the place where I first received you. Take me back. Take me back to you, Lord, to the place where I first believed I remember when I first committed my life to Jesus Christ. For a couple of weeks there, I was kind of unsure what to do, but as I kept reading my Bible and I didn't even tell my parents, I didn't tell anyone, not even my sister, that she and I are still so very close, but for just a couple of weeks, I just prayed over that, and and then finally it just began to dawn on me all that he was. And I'm telling you, I remember those days. It didn't matter what anybody thought. It didn't matter what anybody asked. I determined I was going to follow the Lord. I carried my textbooks to school with my Bible on top of my textbooks. In the first few months, I was harassed about that like you wouldn't believe. I went to work at the Piggly Wiggly with a little Jesus button on my shirt, and I was harassed like you wouldn't believe for the first few months. I began to tithe. I actually made my very first bank loan because I wanted to help my church build a new sanctuary. And so I went to the bank with my father, and they didn't even require my father to co-sign, but they gave a 16-year-old kid $1,000. That was a lot of money in 1972. They gave a 16-year-old kid $1,000 with a promise to repay it in 90 days, and that was my first loan ever, and it was to give it so that our church could build a new sanctuary. And what I have learned through all those years, and there have been battles, there have been trials, there has been hell to walk through, but there has always been victory. And every great story has crisis in it. But the truth of the matter is, the heroes of the story don't quit. They keep trying because they know if they can stand the pulling, God is going to pull them through. God is going to pull them through. God is going to pull them through. That's the heroes and the heroines of the story. And Asa was put to the test. 
He built an army because he prioritized. His neighbors didn't like it. They decided they were going to destroy Asa. They cobbled together, you can read about this, a million-man army. Some scholars say with all the support and extra troops, there would have been two to three million men coming against Israel or coming against Judah. Judah went out, Asa went out with his puny little army against them. These people were bent on his destruction. He was outnumbered, outgunned, outmanned. But Asa looked to God. And when Asa looked to God, he put to flight a million-man army. And some of you may be there this morning. As a matter of fact, some of you may be there, and it's affecting every area of your life. It's affecting your marriage. It's affecting your children. It's affecting your career. It's affecting your health. It's affecting your future. It's affecting your emotions. Maybe it's a battle with your faith. What do you do when you feel powerless? And would you be like me? For, would you just join me for a moment? Please don't mistake and think that I'm saying that I've always been just overflowing with faith and power and conviction. There have been many moments in my life where I have felt powerless. How many of you have ever been there? You just felt powerless like you couldn't go on. You see, that's a good place to be. Because what I have learned, if you will listen to your pastor this morning, what I have learned is when I come to those powerless moments that in spite of my weaknesses we looked at last week, in spite of my failures, in spite of my flaws, in spite of all of the things that could go wrong around me, I have found God's power to be at its greatest because God's strength is manifested in our weaknesses. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that this morning? Look at 2 Chronicles 14 and verse 11. This is when he's facing that million-man army. Asa cried out to the Lord his God, O Lord, no one but you can help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord our God, for we trust in you alone. It is in your name that we have come against this vast horde, O Lord. You are our God. Do not let mere men prevail against you. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying when you attack the people of God, you're attacking God. When you attack the church, you're attacking Christ. When you attack the family, you're attacking Christ. When you attack marriage, you're attacking attacking Christ. When you attack the unborn child, you are attacking Christ. Understand this this morning. Mere men will not prevail as long as there are men and women that will cry out to God like Asa did during the time of conflict. Somebody say amen today. Let me tell you what I've learned. I've seen it in this church. I've seen it in many of your lives. God will go ahead of us in the battle. God wants to do battle for you. God wants to fight your battles for you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if you try to fight it on your own and you're like the little child who ignores his dad's advice and runs out and says, I'm going to do it anyway, God will let you do it so you learn the hard way. But if you will put your faith in God, he will, he will help you. And your greatest weapon of faith is prayer, is what Asa's was. The Bible even describes it as, as a powerful weapon of faith. So here's what will happen if you will do what Asa did next, and that's listen to the word of God that I'm preaching to you this morning. A preacher came to Asa, 
And he said, listen to me, Asa. And listen, all you people of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Becky and I read this and prayed this together this morning. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. And when Asa heard this message from Azariah the prophet, he took courage and removed all the detestable idols, and he repaired the altar of the Lord. When you follow Christ and you remove the distractions, God's presence will be with you. And I want you to hear me now. When you've got God's presence, you've got God's protection. When you've got God's presence, he leads you in a place of wisdom and knowledge. When you've got God's presence, he leaves you in a place of strength and recovery. When you've got God's presence, he leads you in a place of blessings and prosperity. If there's anything that I have told you for 25 years I want from you, I want the presence of the Lord. And then there's one final lesson that we can learn. We can learn from Asa's failure. And this frightens me more than I can begin to say to you. Let me talk to you about Asa's folly. Folly is an interesting word in the Bible because folly is sin. Folly is not like fa la 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 Folly is sin. Folly is when we take our eyes off of Jesus and we begin to consider other things. Asa had 35 years of peace and prosperity. The kingdom flourished, the nation flourished, the temple flourished. People were coming far and wide. God was rebuilding. God was making Judah great again. God was blessing his people. And like a lot of us do when we get older, Asa began to trust in his success, Asa began to trust in his wisdom, Asa began to trust in his resources more than he trusted in God. The northern kingdom decided they wanted to lay siege to Jerusalem. And the way they did it, if I can step out here in front of the pulpit for just a moment, is they didn't build at the border, if the edge of this platform represents the border, but they took a town right close to the border and they began to fortify that town. They began to put an army there. They began to build it up because this was the only route to travel through to get to Jerusalem. And they could control who came and who left Jerusalem. They could control who went to Judah and who left Judah. We see that kind of battle playing out right now between the U.S. and China with trade routes. Because if they could choke off that route, they could choke off the prosperity they thought of, of Judah. Asa, and we don't know why, but I'm so glad God leaves this for us because it's a lesson for me, it's a lesson for you. Asa, instead of seeking the Lord, Asa calls upon a pagan king, a wicked king, and he says, listen, I will pay you. I, I have the resources. Somebody said to me this week, says, you know, I remember when I used to have to cut my own grass. It feels so good to pay somebody to cut my grass now. He had the resources. So he paid this pagan king to invade the northern kingdom. These are his relatives, even though in times of peace we should be trying to repair relationships. 
But rather than try to repair those relationships, Asa, he paid this pagan king to come in. And it was a good plan. It was a successful plan. That's the reason I've always reminded you that in the book of Joshua, the Lord says, if we meditate in his word, if we walk in his ways, he will give us good success. There is good success and there is bad success. And this northern king came in. He not only plundered the fort, he not only plundered the cities, then he went throughout the land of Israel, killing men, women, and children, and babies. He butchered the kingdom. But Asa was able to bring home to Jerusalem all kinds of wealth, all kinds of of slaves, all kinds of treasures, and people were running political campaigns that Asa has made Judah great again. Asa is the man of the hour. Asa has succeeded. But Asa had miserably failed because sometimes what looks right in people's eyes is evil in God's eyes. And once again, like this morning, God sent a preacher. This preacher came to Asa and says, and I'm at 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 7, because you've put your trust in the king of Aram. Instead of in the Lord your God, you missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. What had happened? Asa changed his ways. Asa changed his ways because he was successful. Solomon changed his ways because he was successful. That doesn't have to happen in our lives. If we will stay faithful to the Lord to the end, our lives will be a continuous source of blessing to those round about us. My health may fail. My eyes may weaken, but as long as my heart, if the last thing I can do is sit in my rocking chair and call on the name of Jesus and seek his face and stay pure in my heart, by his grace, if that's the last thing I can do, then I will be a source of blessing to my family, my grandchildren, to this church, into whatever community I live in. God says to Asa, because you failed to invite me in, I would have given you this pagan king. I would have given you his treasures. I would have revived the land. So I'm asking you this morning, if you're young, seek God in your dating life. Some people ask sometime, even people that in our community What's been the secret to yours and Becky's marriage? It's been one thing and one thing only. We seek the Lord. What's been the secret to life? Seeking the Lord. It's not wisdom. It's not talent. It's not strength. When you seek the Lord, he blesses you. He said, if you would have sought me, I would have delivered him into your hands. I don't want you I don't want us to miss the blessings of God upon our lives. In our marriages, with our children, in our old age. You see, the world has deceived us. 
It's easy to say amen to some of what I said earlier. But it's interesting to me, the world has deceived us that somehow or another, success is if I could turn 60 years old and buy myself a little tin trailer or fiberglass trailer and pull it behind my car or my pickup truck and go visit all my grandchildren all year long and go to Disneyland, that's success. I beg your pardon. There's nowhere in the Bible that defines that. I want to be like David. I want to be like Paul. I want to be like Peter. I want to serve him to the last breath of my body. Stand with me and let me read you this last verse. The eyes of the Lord. Read it with me. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Read it again. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Read it again. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You want to know what success in my eyes is? This is what happily ever after is in my life. Is if I can stand before the presence of Jesus and look at Becky, look at our four children and our grandchildren, and look at you, and we stand there all together, saved, washed in the blood, casting our crowns at his feet, hearing him say, well done, well done. Come on into the joy of the Lord. And the curtain comes down. That's happily ever after in my eyes this morning. And it's what I want more than anything else in this world. It's what I want for us today. So would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, I know it could be scary for some right now to let go of every distraction and idol. But I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, would you search our hearts? We want them to be fully committed to you. And if there are things we need to let go of, bring them to our minds right now. And Jesus, I know it could be scary for those who right now, they, they sense a desire, they want happily ever after. They want happily ever after to be that they're standing in your presence saved and born again. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, give them the courage to make the decision to say today, Jesus, I'm going to answer your call to follow you. As much as I know how, Lord, I'm going to follow you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray this morning. Amen. 
If you prayed that, would you please let me know? You can, the information will be on the screen. Just let me know. Let me know here if you did. I want to help you get started with your new life for Christ. Jesus said in Luke 6 and verse 45, out of the treasures of your heart, a good man, a good woman will bring forth good. May the Holy Spirit baptize us afresh with the presence of Christ so that everything that comes out of us speaks and smells and sounds like Jesus Christ. God bless you. Go in peace today.